It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box, the show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a Monday, July 3rd, just one day, a little less than 24 hours before the LA Galaxy and LAFC kick off at a sold-out Rose Bowl El Trafico coming to you very quickly. We're going to talk about that. Of course, get you ready for that game. Excited to uh, to get you sort of leading up to that one. We're also going to talk about the 2-2 draw with the San Jose Earthquakes. Disappointing. Uh, Galaxy fans want to know if they got screwed by a referee. Yes, they did. I'll make that easy. That's not even, I don't have to play politics with that one. Yes, you did. Uh, you should feel upset about that. But the way the Galaxy are playing, the way Douglas Costa is playing, maybe we have some stuff to talk about there. So a whole bunch to get to, a whole bunch of things to talk about. We're going to welcome back, glad that he's here, Mr. Kevin the Panda Baxter. Kev, how you doing, buddy? Hey, nice t-shirt. Did we wake you up? Yeah, yeah we, we coordinated, right? You know? No, my my shirt has writing on it. Yours is just like, you look like you were sleeping. I would I would say that uh, I'm winning on that on that uh, that whole exchange <laughs> as, as as we go there. Yeah, but how, how are things? How are you doing? Hanging in there? I really like DoorDash. I'm an Uber Eats guy. Um, by the way, you said sellout. That's kind of a matter of interpretation for the game at the Rose Bowl sell out sell out you know it's like whenever the galaxy are like we sold out at twenty five thousand, but we can still get you all the way up to you know 20 almost twenty seven thousand. but it's still a sell once it hits 25 24 it's still a yeah. sellout yes and no this was a little weird though because if you remember last year they had that cha- uh, soccer champions tour which aeg participated in tom braun put on a lot of those games including the one at the rose bowl that drew ninety three thousand. remind people who for- tom braun is Tom Braun is the senior vice president of soccer business operations. I think business operations, yes. Yeah, for AEG and yes. the Galaxy. And so we put on that tournament last year. 93,000 came out to see Real Madrid play Juventus, I think it was. And that was the largest soccer crowd since 2018. Um, and again, same venue, 93,000 plus. Now, tomorrow they have 83,000, and they're going to call, and they're calling that already a sellout at 85,000. In two more weeks, they're going to have another Real Madrid game at the Rose Bowl. They're probably going to get close to 92 and 93. And I think people are going to ask, wait a minute, how come 85 is a sellout, but you got 93 for this game? And I'll tell you one reason why is uh, the Galaxy told me that they're creating – they didn't use this terminology. This is my language. They're creating like buffer zones. Right. There has to be certain seats that were not sold, certain sections probably not sold, to create a buffer between LAFC supporters and Galaxy supporters – there's actually three different sections, and, and I did not try to buy a ticket for this game, so I don't know how it worked. But you can buy in the Galaxy section, you can buy in the LAFC section, and then there's a small non-aligned section if you don't want to be on either side. Right. Um, you just, know, maybe you come from a mixed family, or maybe you don't really care. <laughs> you're just going um, for the fireworks. <laughs> yeah, you, you, exactly. You can go sit in that section. And Tom Brown said this is really a unique uh, idea that they they think that is really going to sort of further things for the league. Give an example of how this can happen, so that that maybe crowds that don't necessarily like one another can can live in harmony and peace in a big stadium. Which is it's much easier to control this, believe it or not, in a Dignity House Sports Park or a BMO because it's smaller right. and it's compact, and right. you don't have. There's a lot. Of, if you've ever been to the Rose Bowl, it's ca- uh, you can get it's a lot cavernous. Of in that building. It's, it's big. <laughs> yes, it's yeah. very big. So uh, it's very difficult. And so this is the way they've done it. There is a fireworks show after the game. Right. Um, I was told by the I, – I was complaining to the Galaxy, if you've ever been to a game at the Rose Bowl, it takes forever to get out of there because there's really only a couple of exits out and uh, cars. And they're little narrow roads. And right. It's very difficult to get out. 
So the galaxy said that you're going to tell people that the best way to see the fireworks is from your car. Yeah. As, as you're trying to get out. out the, yeah. Yeah. Everybody I, out of the stadium. I was going to say you're going tomorrow. I'm, I'm worried that you might not make it back in time for our next podcast next Monday. Uh, whenever you try to get out of there. So, um, yeah, well, I'm taking a lot of homework to do, uh, world cup stuff. Maybe I should take a lunch yeah. a breakfast, maybe a sleeping bag and a, and a tent, yeah. too, you know, I know that might be helpful, but no, um, it, it's certainly shaping up to be, I, I think a, a pretty, Interesting. Listen, it, it, we didn't know this at the time, but this really feels like a dress rehearsal for whenever Messi starts to sort of come into into the league and they start doing some bigger stadiums in different ways. Right. Because um, I think it's going to be people are sort of talking about, you know, maybe the Galaxy get get uh, Miami next year. Right. Hosting Miami. Maybe maybe that works out. Um, and if that's the case, where do they play that game? Right. And one of those places I think they're going to have a chance to play it would be at like a Rose Bowl. And I know people are sitting there saying, wow, you're going to do it for somebody else's um, team. But bottom line is that there's a lot of people in Los Angeles who want to see Messi. But there's a lot of L.A. Galaxy fans that would want to see the Galaxy play against Messi, too. Um, so I think that they're listen, it's tough for any of these teams, including the L.A. Galaxy, the L.A. Galaxy. It's really hard for them to turn down a buck. Right. And so I wouldn't be surprised if if it gets moved to a bigger venue. Maybe that's SoFi. Maybe that's the Rose Bowl. Maybe that's in, in some way it can it can do those things. But I wouldn't be surprised if this is a quote unquote in my mind a dress rehearsal. I don't think they're calling it that. That's what I think. Well, a couple of things. First of all, on the, on the Messi angle, I've talked to some people about this too. The biggest buildings in MLS: Seattle, Atlanta, Charlotte. I don't know about. I'm not 100 sure on Charlotte, but New England. The football stadiums are all artificial turf stadiums. Yep. Messi is not going to play a regular season game on artificial turf. You, period. You and you say that. You say that. Why? Why do you say that? Because I just don't think he's going to want to risk the injury, and I think he's the one calling the shots. I, I bet. I, now, bet, I bet he plays. I bet he plays. I bet. I know Zlatan didn't, but Zlatan had reasons not to, right? Because yeah. he had reconstructed knees and all sorts of stuff. David Beckham did. He would avoid some, but he played on some as well. So yeah, in playoff games are a whole different thing. I think he plays in playoff games. But so when you're talking about coming here, it's really the Rose Bowl, the Coliseum. It's not SoFi because of the turf, and also the Galaxy with the relationship through Tom Braun and, and the Galaxy period. It's the Rose Bowl because the Coliseum, that's that the same landlord as, as LAFC. They're right. not going to go there. Um, so, you know, that that's where that game will be played. I have to admit, back in February, I was kind of excited about this idea of going back to where the franchise started. Right. Um, the reason they did that game, it, basically, there's a couple of reasons that we're told. And I don't know which one's really true, but the unbalanced schedule, third game, right. uh, MLS said, look, get creative with that third game. Galaxy, it's your home game this year. What do you want to do with it? LAFC, it's yours next year. I think LAFC will play at the Coliseum because, again, they share the landlord with BMO. Um, but they said, get creative. And so the Galaxy said, look, we started at the Rose Bowl. We were born there. It's going to be on Apple TV's first coverage day. Yep. We're going to have a sellout crowd of yep. six, 65 or 70. They they thought they were going to sell it out. I, I didn't see the ticket demand in February that there apparently is now with the fireworks show. And if that you remember that game, there was a torrential rainstorm. Now it was clear. It's actually playable on game day. But what MLS said is they, they decided to bang the game because they would have had to park on that golf course. It was dangerous to get in and out of Arroyo Seco. It was, it was more not for the players. It was for the fans right? Uh, not to have to deal with that. So now they come back. Tom, uh, Tom Brown told me that when, um, MLS canceled that game. He said he immediately had to look for an alternative date. And he said there were really only two dates. He didn't give me the other one, but he said there were really only two dates that would work. And he said February 4th was one because LAFC wasn't busy that day. Mm -hmm. The Galaxy were scheduled to play St. Louis City. You know, they always have that fireworks show at Dignity Hill Sports Park. Oh, St. Louis City. You, the, you said February 4th. You mean July 4th. July 4th. Yeah. Um, so they're going to have that July 4th game. Now, St. Louis City was an expansion team. They hadn't played a game yet. I know they're really good now, but right. they hadn't played a game yet. The Galaxy, you know, the preeminent team in MLS history, they go to St. Louis City, an expansion team, and say, guess what? We're not playing the game that day. Um, pick a date in September. I don't think the negotiations were like, you know, would you guys move? I think it was really, we're going to play a game July 4th, and we'll play you guys some other time. Right. Um, and then they had to go to the city of Pasadena and say, can we have fireworks? And all that happened within... Tom Bronson within a matter of two hours after the game was postponed. That's pretty crazy. Um, they had to, they had the makeup date and and now it's going to be eighty five thousand plus. And and they said that they were approaching to sell it in February. I, I don't I don't believe that. And if you remember too, for Galaxy fans, everybody was saying, "Well, what a stroke of luck that we don't have to play that game 
in in February because LAFC was playing so well and Chicharito was hurt. It was the first game of the season and they were playing like their preseason stuff. But the big thing was that Chicharito was hurt. Douglas Costa was hurt and the galaxy didn't have, um, I I don't even think they had Boyd in yet. Right. Was he not officially on the roster yet? Or he was, he was added right beforehand. So he didn't really have much of a a preseason. Right. So there were all these things that were building up to that being a, a a bad sort of, it it felt bad. and it's really it's worse now. We still don't have Chicharito. Caceres is gone. Right. Uh, Jalen uh, Jalen Neal is not here. Zavaleta is not going to be able to play. Um, and Costa's back. That's about the only good thing I guess that's happened since then. Yeah, th- I mean, I can see that. I can see that. I'll tell you right now though, the Galaxy are playing some of the best soccer they've played all year. And so, if you're looking at actual form and what's been happening, the Galaxy now is probably in one of the better spots that they've been. LAFC is in one of the worst spots that they've been in. Um, so, like, we'll get to that game here in a little bit. But I, I do think that there's something to the fact that um, the Galaxy have a point streak, a five game point streak going on. Uh, they're unbeaten in their last five. They got four consecutive draws. You know, there's some there's some momentum building even with no Chicha who wasn't scoring. Um, and, and maybe some momentum around Preston Judd. Let's talk about the, the San Jose game and, and that would sort of get it. But before we can even get to the San Jose game, there was news that happened on the Friday, I think before this, and that was whenever they decided to waive uh, Sega Koulibaly, right? And so Sega got waived and put on waivers basically to get him off of the uh, off of the roster. And whenever they went and asked Greg, and I think Damian Calhoun was asking about Sega Koulibaly and sort of what was happening, uh, he said, was he close to coming back? And Greg said... He had told us earlier he's maybe a week or two weeks away, but that's a sliding scale because he's had some setbacks and some things, and there was not a lot of concrete stuff in that. Um, then whenever whenever uh, Damien asked sort of where he was, was he close to coming back? Greg said, no, he wasn't close to coming back. He goes, and then, then he said, we're going to leave it as an undisclosed injury, um, and he's going to go back to France and basically try to get himself ready to back to play soccer. That raises a lot of red flags. Um, it... it the first thing I thought, and I was thinking about this today, is was there a disagreement on like treatment? Was there something that happened with Sega and the team was like, you can play on it and you're okay. Um, and and yeah, it's not going to be perfect, but at the end of the season, you can get surgery or something like that and then you could be better. Uh, and Sega was like, no, I, I need to have surgery now and I need to be shut down and I need it to be over with. And I wonder if like those things eventually came. That's all speculation. I have no insight, but it's just, it's really weird for a coach to say he's not ready to come back. We're putting him on waivers and we're not going to tell you what the injury is that he has that, that won't allow him to continue. And it's, it's bad enough or there's a situation that's bad enough that we decided to put him on waivers and get him off the, off the roster. Well, we talked a little bit about this last week, but when Greg first came in, we had that French connection, those four players, Ravellison, Cabral, Grancier, and Sega Koulibaly, that they were really high on, and they gave them all long-term contracts, and Greg talked, I think Cabral's was five years, Greg talked about, look, we want to have a core of players, and these guys are a core, and we're going to bring them along together, and they're going to stick together. None of those four are here, and two of them left under kind of weird circumstances. Cabral was just, it never fit here. I, I don't... I don't know if you want to call it a failure. I certainly call it, it a, failure, a failure, but they had to yeah. get rid of it. Yeah, so they traded him. And then Ravellison actually left in the whole Brugman-Ricky Pouge thing. There wasn't a spot for him. He wasn't playing the position in the midfield, the holy midfielder that they wanted him to play. They needed to clear, uh, clear roster space and money. That that was a good deal. The, the Galaxy worked that one pretty well, and they wound up making money, a lot of money on that deal. But then Grant Sear decides, he, his personal thing supposedly, decides he's going to stay home and play in League Two. Not even in in the Premier League, yeah. In France, the, number the, one league. You're gonna play in the yeah. sec, second division, and then and now Sega Kubali just says, "I'm out of here. I'm gone." And it's, they, they wave him and let him go. Yeah, that one is weird. I mean, if if that doesn't scream, you need a system to evaluate players. Remember that all those players were signed uh, under the old referral system coming out of COVID. Right. And so this was a yes, we got to see them play, but only a little bit because we haven't seen them play because COVID. Um, and also, we don't really have scouts out to, to find this out. So we have to go out there and see these guys. But when you do that referral system, Kevin, it narrows the field that you look at so much. I don't know if people can hear the fireworks going off in the background or not, but we're we're in the war zone. You're at the Rose Bowl already? Yeah, I'm at the Rose Bowl already. No, we're down here in Costa Mesa. Um, so. Uh, there's fireworks going on. I imagine that they'll go on for the rest of the the rest of the night here. 
Um, but if that doesn't say, whenever you have this referral system, like, hey, I'm going to show you this here. The agent comes up. I'm going to give you these five guys. Well, then your world becomes these five guys, right? Because you're supposed to evaluate them and look at them. And you go, you know, this guy's better than that guy. And this guy's better than that guy. And oh, I'm, I went over here to look at this guy, but I saw this guy. Again, your net is small whenever you do that. And so the margin for error is gigantic on this because there's no system to evaluate or get all of your fish in a barrel, right? The ultimate goal as a, as I think a soccer club, a football club is to get your prospects in a barrel, right? You know, they talk about shooting fish in a barrel. You want all your best prospects in a barrel. Then you go around and you start really looking at them. Which one do I like best? Which one can I get? Which one can I do all this you're stuff? Supposed, you're supposed to shoot them? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> bad, bad analogy, but yes, but that's, the, that's the whole thing. So this is, this is the result of that. This has been the result of that since Siggy Schmidt and Colonel Nolfo and everybody else, Guillermo Barrescoloto. So they've had yeah, some well, yeah. mi- hits and misses, but the evaluate, the system to evaluate hasn't been put in place. Well, yes and no, I'm not going to disagree with that, but I am going to say my recollection is, and I didn't look this up, but my recollection of that time was these guys were very highly touted. Greg talked about at least one or two of them. I think Cabal and Grincier were the two that he talked about the most, that he had scouted them when he was with Toronto, that he was familiar with them. He talked about his connections in France. Jovan was there. Cabral was one. Yeah, but I remember if Cabral was one, he wasn't there to see Cabral. He was there to see somebody else. So I don't know if he scouted him early. Okay. Right? But But I talked to Jovan while he was in France, and Jovan talked up all these guys and how – you know, France was the place that was producing all this talent, which is true, by the way. At the last World Cup, France had more World Cup players than any other country by far. Um, so, and just everyone said, these these are the guys that we're going forward with, and we know them. And Greg talked about, again, how he had scouted France for Toronto and, and felt a little sheepish about signing the guys to the Galaxy. There was some question at the time whether that would be a tampering thing because he had, had scouted those guys with Toronto. There was I never got the sense that that, that these were – gambles that they were rolling the dice on these guys you know it, it felt like they were they were sure bets and now none of the four are here and right and i don't know of any of them really made an impact i mean there were some good games occasionally and, and sega was good when he first came but is it going to be someone we're going to miss like like even antuna who only played one season here and right. you say oh okay pretty good or pavone no i don't think they left any kind of indelible mark on the franchise yeah i would say antuna is funny because you watch him play now for mexico and you watch him play uh play right he's gotten a lot better and he was not that player with the galaxy or was the galaxy not set up to have antuna be that be yeah. that guy right you he don't know 2021 so. he was he was young exactly but i mean it was it was an interesting signing really cool um to me it comes down to did you notice the mistake and correct the mistake? Grand Sir was an integral part of this team in the last you know, 10 or 12 games where the Galaxy were very good uh, with Ricky Pouge and Gaston Brugman. And losing Grand Sir had absolutely killed this LA Galaxy team to start the season. Absolutely has killed. Tyler Boyd is now maybe just kind of picking up where Grant Sear was was sort of left off. I mean, the fact that Douglas Costa is finally producing is kind of picking up for like some of the things that have happened with Douglas Costa before when he wasn't playing at all uh, through all these other seasons. So, it, you know, I think Grant Sear was one of the better signings. I think Sega Koulibaly was one was probably third down on the list. I think Ravellison was a better signing, even though he didn't we, you didn't get the production out of everything moving him for more money, doing things like you said, that was probably a pretty good deal. You got Pujin, you traded out Ravellis, and I think that's probably a pretty good deal. And you made money on that deal, right? So over a million bucks. Yeah. So so that makes sense to me. Um the whole deal, but you're right, because these were the guys. I again I just go back to this is if you've looked at the, the I think the pickups that they have made since the French connection has sort of come in, I I've liked the majority of them. I think the majority of them have had better hits. Um, you know, I point to Caligari, which is the only reason everybody's not here paying attention to what Julian Araujo is doing. Um, is because, uh, Caligari has come in and been the replacement for Julian Araujo and it hasn't been an issue. Right. And so you're sort of like, Oh, okay. That's if you found somebody who is, Let's just say as good, and there are different attributes. Julian has a little more offensive flair to him. Caligari, though, is getting there as well. Um, but Caligari, I think, is a better defender and a better ball handler, right? But if you get a guy that makes you forget about the guy that you were, like, you know, uh, in love with last year, you probably did a pretty good job on the pickup, right? So Caligari, I think Aude is going to settle in. Uh, I know he's it, he seems tired. Uh, I don't know that he's played this many games, this much traveling. He's still pretty young to sort of figure that out. Um, you know, Caceres, they brought in Caceres. Great. 
great signing to bring in Kosaris, right? So you look at that. Uh, Mavinga, mixed bag, and we can talk about that, obviously, um, how it's going. But, you know, bringing Jalen Neal up whenever they did after everybody was screaming for him for the year before, but they got the timing right on that. So I think there's hits and misses in all this, and certainly the French Connection stuff. That to, that to me screams we didn't have an evaluation tool. That's what, that all, that's what that screams to me, because I think the signings have gotten better, and I think they have evaluation tools in place to make those better decisions now. Uh, what do you think of Memo? Memo? Before he got hurt, I really liked him. I, I mean, you know, he's a, he would be a great sub, and that's what he was supposed to be. He wasn't supposed to be a starter, right? And so he's a, he would be a really good depth piece, and I think he's comfortable in that role and doing the whole thing. So whenever he comes back, if he's healthy and he can produce, uh, between him and Tyler Boyd and being able to switch there or switching out with Douglas Costa or doing that stuff, I think that's invaluable to what the Galaxy are trying to do. Well, speaking of guys signed after the French Connection, here's a guy that now, I know you wanted to talk about this, you've been chomping at the bit, in the doghouse a little bit, Dejan Jovalich. Is, is that... Is that going to end badly? Is is perhaps at the end of the season, is Dayon De- no longer going to be part of the LA Galaxy? No, Dayon's young and selfish. Um, and he has been through the whole season. Do you remember whenever he was trying to walk off the field and, and Raheem Edwards got right. turned yeah, around? It's kind of like, you know, it's, this has been the second incident where he and Vanny have been at odds. And I just wonder how long Vanny continues to put up with that. Well, I mean, I, I think Vanny did exactly what he slapped him on the nose. And he said, you know, you can't do it. And the, and the whole deal here is that um, two things in this, right? You look at the San Jose game, the two, two draw Preston Judd got the start. Correct. Correct decision. Correct decision. A hundred percent by Greg Vanny. And we've been saying that I think for the last couple of weeks is that Jovalich has had his chance. He's had his chance to start. Now, why don't you put him in a sub role where he really thrives and let Preston Judd, uh, take over. And by the way, nobody thought Preston Judd would be the player that he is on the MLS level. And I, I, I didn't. I think anybody else who says that that he did or, is kind of crazy. Um, he has he's doing everything in his power to be the guy who starts right now. And that's so admirable to be able to come into that role as a guy who, let's be honest, he's not touted like Jovalich is. He didn't win, you know, the uh, the Golden Ball Award or whatever it was and for, like, the young player. This is Preston Judd played at, you know, I think Denver University, right? And, you know, he was, he was coming from there, and that's where he's coming. And he comes into these games as sort of a guy you're like, man, I don't know what to expect from this guy. And he goes out and he puts out the kind of performances that he has where just just blue collar, hard work, physical, push guys around, making smart runs. Uh, always having the energy to attack, always finding a place. I wish his first touch would be a little bit better. I wish he was a little more technical on the ball. There are a lot of limitations to Preston Judd's ability, but I'll tell you what, right now, if you're giving anybody on the LA Galaxy a chance to start in that striker spot, it's Preston Judd, and it's not even close to anybody else. Uh, Dayon Jovalich doesn't get that, and I think even whenever they go up against LAFC tomorrow night, I think it's going to be Preston Judd at the start. In fact, I would expect a very similar lineup that you saw against San Jose. Um, against LAFC because that that lineup clicked. That lineup had a lot of good things going for it. I'll give you the lineup here real quick. Uh, Jonathan Bond in goal. You had Caligari on the right. Uh, Leardam and Mavinga in the center. And by the way, Kelvin Leardam looks more and more like a center back every game he plays. Uh, that's good for the Galaxy because they only have one healthy center back that is available to play right now. Uh, you had, uh, you had uh, Raheem Edwards on the left-hand side, uh, Delgado and Edwards over Aude. That should be pointed out. Um, you had Delgado, Brugman, and Ricky Puj in the center. Uh, Douglas Costa out on that right-hand side, Preston Judd and Tyler Boyd. So the 4-3-3, uh, a very comfortable position for the, for the LA Galaxy. Greg Vanny talked about the 4-3-3 and sort of just being comfortable and what they were trying to do and how they were trying to do it, saying that the most dangerous time against Colorado is whenever they were in the 4-3-3 in that familiar thing. So why not do it against San Jose? This game ends 2-2, Kevin. We can broad base it by saying uh, the LA Galaxy probably shouldn't have given up some of the goals that they gave up. And we'll talk about those here in a second. And they probably should have been given at least one more goal. And and San Jose probably deserved a red card in there as well. So when you look at that, I thought that if you're looking for my, you know, thousand foot view, the LA Galaxy passed better than I have seen them pass maybe all year. Uh, They passed San Jose into little tiny triangles and into oblivion. San Jose had no answer coming down the center of the field. Uh, even the second half adjustment that San Jose tried to make, the Galaxy still did a pretty good job of, uh, of really bossing them around the entire field. I don't know that I've seen this team play that fluidly all season. And to come out with a 2-2 draw in that is very disappointing. And you talked about Chris Mavinga. 
he had the the giveaway in the first half that led to the uh, the pass basically right inside the box. He was trying to pass it out to Tyler Boyd, um, and instead it was intercepted, and basically the pass came in and it was uh, put in from uh, from the front of the from about the six yard box. So that that was that, uh, and then they had the deflection uh, off of Movinga from about 22, 23 yards. That's pretty unlucky whenever you look at everything in that. So um, I was really impressed with the way the LA Galaxy played. But I also said before we even started, Kevin, and, and you can be my backup to this, I've never seen a team this good be this bad, which is I've, I, I saw all the stuff that I saw. I saw them play. I saw them pass. I saw them do all of these amazing, wonderful things. And you should be excited as a Galaxy fan to see that clicking even for a minute, right? But let, let alone maybe 50 or 60 minutes of that throughout that San Jose game. But they're they're second from the bottom in in the supporter shield. There are 21 spots between the L.A. Galaxy and L.A.F.C. 21 team spots between those two teams. And it just blows my mind because San Jose is a good team, Kevin. And the Galaxy made them look pedestrian for most of that game. And they still allowed them into the game and gave up two goals. The Galaxy are unbeaten in MLS play since Chris Klein's dismissal. They were only in one of those five games. I did all the research, as you know, yes. and the, the four draws uh, in a row. is The first time that's happened since 2009 is what my research told me before. You mean your research was just me telling you before we started? <laughs> yeah, that was hard research. Yeah. But you had some other stats that were really good. That's sort of the... Glass oh. half full or glass half empty. <laughs> the juxtaposition. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can. This, really this is for the thing. Uh, it said the Galaxy have drawn four straight MLS matches for the second time in club history. Five straight in May of 2009. LA's three wins this season equals its fewest after 19 matches of a season, 2007. While it has had fewer than 16 points at this stage only once, uh, 14 also in 2007. So the Galaxy. Well, see how that you know, there's good and then there's, there's bad. <laughs> even, the, even the draw streak is like so meh. Right. You can't really get that excited about it. It's five straight games with points, which, by the way, the Galaxy have narrowed their their climb to the playoffs by a single point. They're now nine points out from the playoffs instead of 10 points. Um, so there's there's positives there. Um, but but the interesting thing, five games, right? So 15 points. Yeah. Yeah. They've given, they've given they've what's the word? They've conceded fewer points and they've or more points than they've gotten. They've gotten seven and they yeah. and they conceded eight. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that, that's crazy. They're unbeaten yet they're they're underwater on the points that they've won just, in those games. Just, just as as fun as fun and cruel as the football world is, let's say they they lose on uh, to the the El Trafico, all of a sudden they become winless in five. So it, it's 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 a cruel game to play. You got to win a game in there in order to stabilize the record, right? So you could sort of be oh we're you know unbeaten in six. You have to you have to try to make that happen. And, and, they're not the the thing with the points is clearly they're not climbing the table, so they're unbeaten, but they're not getting any closer to a playoff berth. And what's happening is another week has gone by. But they did they got one point closer to a playoff berth because because they picked up a point on Vancouver, basically who's the last team in there right now. Everybody else either picked up a point with them or the point wasn't enough to overtake people right. But they got um, let's see how many points have they got seven points? That seven points is almost half their entire point total. Right. Yeah. So it's 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 significant. Now, let's go back to the game. There are two players in this game that I thought were absolutely outstanding. One of them is Ricky Pooj. Um, and one of the reasons that Ricky Pooj was so outstanding is because this other guy, uh, this guy's been MIA for for almost two years, three years, whenever they brought in Douglas Costa. Um, all of a sudden, things seem to have sw switched for him. I actually got to talk to him after the game and asked him, I'm like, you seem to be enjoying yourself. He was out there smiling. He's having a good time. Greg specifically called the game that Ricky and Douglas can play together. Uh, they really like that. That was sort of, he was sort of hinting at that. Like whenever those two can get on the ball in tight spaces next to each other, they like that because they're both able to escape tight spaces. They can create a lot. They draw a lot of attention and then they can break lines out of that attention fairly easily. But what the hell has happened to Douglas Costa that I am sitting here telling, telling everybody that he should have been on the team of the week. He was on the bench, but he should have been one of the starters. Yeah. To assist. To assi assist and, and it could have been a goal and an assist because the one Edwards hit in was probably going in anyway. And, and you said that he's in your lineup for the LAFC game. I, I, I'm not quite as as firm on that because he's he's old. He's had the injury problems. Does he come back after two days and the travel? I know that they're going to have five days off. It's a tough decision because you, you need to do a little bit of uh, of squad management heading into the summer, but they're so hot right now. Him and Pooj, you don't want to break that up. You know, you certainly don't want to, you know, uh, pull back on that now. You want to keep 
maybe keep him going as long as you can. Unless Douglas Costa gets hurt in the one day of training they've had between those, he will start and he will play as many minutes as they can possibly get out of him. Unfortunately, the Galaxy don't have the luxury of resting people or doing anything else. They are so many points behind that if they really think, and I still think that they can, if they really think that they can make a run at this, Douglas Costa gets to play as many minutes as his body will handle him. And if he's broken at the end of this, then he's broken at the end of this, Kevin. It does not matter. His contract is up. He will play as many as many minutes as they can get out of him. Because if we go and look at the DP minutes, this is crazy, by the way. I was looking up DP minutes and, and looking at all the charts and all that fun stuff. But Douglas Costa now, whenever he plays in the LAFC game, which we assume he will, will have just now played the same number of games as Chicharr Chicharito has played. We're 19, 20 games into the season. Right. So between those two, the injuries that have mounted up, they have combined to basically play in 17 games combined for them, not together. That was there was very few times when they were ever on the field together this entire uh, this entire season. He's still under a quarter of the minute possible minutes played for the season. You know, what's really interesting is with the League's Cup coming up, we get a little bit ahead of ourselves, but I think the Galaxy will be at 22 league games. So 12 left, um, meaning they, it, but after League's Cup. You know, going into League's Cup, they'll get their international players back, Jalen Neal. But they have some players that have a little bit of injury concerns, right? Costa with the age. Um, League's Cup looms really interesting for me. I can totally see Greg Vanny just banging it and saying, you know, this is Aguirre and Judge games. These are what they're going to play. We're going to, you know, send out our, our – they didn't do it in U.S. Open Cup. Nope. But, I mean, League's Cup is even going to be harder to win – and if you look at it and say, if we rest our guys and, and rotate our squad and don't use our starters in that League's Cup and use that month to get healthy, we get a chance of really coming down the stretch against tired teams. Vancouver is probably going to play that tournament much harder than the Galaxy would. Maybe San Jose, maybe Portland. We get a chance with our guys healthy and a little bit of rest of making that playoff run. And it's going to be interesting to see how he plays League's Cup because, I mean, I think you the smart money says you can't use your starters in League's Cup and hope to make up that deficit over the last 12 games. It's just not going to not going to happen with the players they have. I think it would be difficult for Greg Vanny not to take League's Cup seriously. I think that his job could be on the line towards the end of the season. And if he has any sort of deep run towards League Cup, he can at least try to lean on that a little bit. You know, I think the chances of the Galaxy making the playoffs are still are slim and they're getting slimmer. We've talked about it. The Galaxy need points. Um, but I think you can't there's there's almost no chance for him to sit there and say, oh, well, like he can't he can't afford to throw out G2 out in League's Cup and just sort of walk away from that tournament. But they're not even going to win the group. I mean, they're in the group with Leon. They're, they're not going to win that group. So you can get in second. All you have to do is finish second. Uh, it's the top two teams get through. It's not, it's not like it's hard. Yeah, I, I think, I don't know. I would I would disagree with that. I would say Vanny has a much better chance of keeping his job by making the MLS playoffs than to finish fourth or fifth or sixth or whatever, eighth in the League's Cup. Yeah, I mean, maybe, but I, I just, I don't think that you can sell to a fan base uh, the Galaxy not playing that tournament, especially being second from the bottom and in the wooden spoon chase right now. Um, that would be hard. It would be like if they came out in the Open Cup and decided that they weren't going to, um, that they weren't going to play hard in that tournament. It wouldn't have been tolerated just because of the form that the Galaxy were in. It was like, this is your chance. Some mysterious injuries, perhaps? Oh, Douglas Cox is unavailable to the Leon game because... Could be. He's hung over. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a birthday party. Uh, let's get to some super chats. Eric with the ten dollars super chat. Thank you for that, Eric. Uh, Lucio says, "Here's five bucks. I just need to hear that Pato and Panda morning jingle since I'm going to hear this tomorrow morning." All right, let's see. I can I can do that. There was there's that one, and then let's see. Do I have the full one? Oh yeah. Welcome to Panda and Pato's morning zoo. Pato, 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 and Panda. Panda in the morning. Panda and Pato in the morning. There we go. That's an, that's so annoying. But for five dollars, no problem. Easily, easily done. Um, yeah, I I, I think it's really uh, really and uh, I I don't think it's going to be that hard. I think I think you're I think it's going to be an easy decision whenever League's Cup comes around and sort of to figure out what it is. The Galaxy at that point may have lost three games in a row, and there's nothing more they can do about anything, and they're basically out of that. So why wouldn't you go and try to uh, to win a League's Cup in that particular case? It's a champion. It's a Concacaf Champions League spot as well, so uh, you could you could advance through to that. Um, let's talk about the bad calls. Uh, because these yes. are, I'll, I'll give you mine, and I know you have some 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 reporting on this. Um, 
the galaxy got screwed and and i've already said that i will continue to say that uh i was not able to contact any pull reporters in san jose to be able to ask the referees any questions um, I would have liked to have been able to do that, but they happen late in the game. It's always hard because sometimes reporters are already on their way down to the press box, different things. So there was nothing there. So we are not allowed to. Um, so so we can't we don't have any insight from the referee itself. I don't really need to hear from the referee because it's clear it was bottled pretty, pretty badly in this particular case. Um, going into the end of the game, Aguirre gets fouled inside the box. It looks pretty obvious that it's clear, clear and obvious. And. When you see it in real time, you're like, yeah, that looks like a penalty kick. That's, that's, it's clumsy. It's late. It's all sorts of things that you would expect it to be um, in that situation. The referee had no hesitation and pointed to the spot. They get ready to go, and basically they're ready. Brugman's ready to take the the penalty kick. I believe it was Brugman. Was it Brugman, or did Pooch come in and take it? Brugman, yeah. Yeah, I think it was Brugman. Brugman. So Brugman's getting ready to kick, and all of a sudden they blow the whistle for VAR. Now, every replay that we had seen up until that point had showed us zero issues with it being a penalty. And in fact, even if you said maybe there might be an issue, it was not clear and obvious. And you couldn't sit there and say, this is a clear and obvious error. Um, the fact that v- VAR even suggested it seems out of norm for what should happen. Yes. I, I don't want to interrupt you, but I, I do want to just point out that watching on TV, the San Jose goalkeeper kept interfering with the, the the center referee, kept coming over, kept coming off his line, went to get a drink. He was delaying for a long time, and it seemed as if he knew something or wanted to give the VAR official. I mean, it was it seemed to be a much longer delay than normal, and he really seemed to have no point in what he was doing other than to delay. And then all of a sudden, normally that penalty kick would have happened. Yeah. But because the goalkeeper kept getting in the center official's face, all of a sudden, then he had time to go do the VAR. It was a very weird situation. The center referee never stepped away and held his finger to his ear like they normally do. He was content to let it go as a penalty. And it was the goalkeeper that delayed the game that allowed for that thing to be reconsidered, in my mind. Yeah. Uh, I mean, okay, sure. But guess what? They're not going to let that penalty kick happen until VAR clears that play. Right. So I have to imagine it was under review the entire time. Now, here's a fun question. If it's under review the entire time, then that's not clear and obvious either. If it takes you a good three or four minutes to figure out whether or not a play is is a clear and obvious error, then it's not a clear and obvious error. And we know this. There are many points of contact that happen on a gear Maybe the ball was touched beforehand. Even if the ball was touched beforehand, it doesn't look like it was a clear touch. It looks like it was possibly a phantom touch where the ball just skims by the defender, that type of thing. But again, no angle clearly shows that there was a touch on the ball beforehand. Here's an amazing thing, too. Even if he does touch the ball, it's not in a controllable way. The ball actually goes back behind him, of which Aguirre could have a chance to get the ball then. But he couldn't. Because the defender then took out his legs afterwards, which would either be a foul or obstruction, however you want to call that. There are multiple ways in which you can call a foul on that particular play. The referee simply overthought it. It was over-officiated. And then this referee was not good the entire game. There were questionable calls. There were delayed calls. There were questionable yellow cards. A whole bunch of stuff. And it's so much that Greg Vanny said afterwards, this is the same referee we had in Real Salt Lake who was calling nonsense. Right. That's Greg Vanny talking about the referee. All right. There's no way on God's green earth. That's not a penalty kick. If only for the reason that there's no clear and obvious evidence from what we were shown that that it was a clear tackle or anything that was sort of happened in between that. The galaxy got screwed. That's a 90th minute goal. More than likely Brugman's been pretty good with them. That's a 90th minute goal that gives the L.A. Galaxy a win in that situation. Yes, it matters. Yes, referees calls do matter. Sometimes they even themselves out. Sometimes they don't even themselves out, right? And so in this particular case, a win is probably taken away from the LA Galaxy. You have to convert it. That stuff has to happen. You talked to uh, you talked to somebody. Who'd you talk to? Yeah, I talked to Christina Uncle, who um, she's a, a former FIFA referee, still uh, a, a, an MLS referee. She hadn't done a game for a while, but she still could. First woman in the world trained to do VAR back in 2017. And she's also been the rules of the game analyst for four different networks. Right now she does CBS and she does the uh, MLS wraparound show on uh, Apple TV. I've known her for a long time. She's also a lawyer. Um, so she understands the difference between right and wrong. When she first started as a rules of the game analyst, I'll just throw this out there just to show you how um, you know impeccable she is. One of the first uh, calls she had to talk about was, 
one made by her husband. And she went on national TV and said he messed up and he got it wrong. Um, so I, I really kind of trust her. So I reached out to her after this game and asked her about the penalty. And she said should have remained a penalty. She said unless there's a clear angle showing the, the ball contacted fully first by the defender – um, but that didn't before there was late contact, but that didn't show up on any angle. And she said, unless there's some angle, she went over this a couple of times, unless there's some angle that the VAR official saw that they didn't see. And remember they're in the Apple studio so that presumably they get every angle, unless there was some angle that showed, um, the player first made contact with the ball before he knocked a, a Geary down that it should have been a penalty. And it's unusual that the referee accepted the VAR uh, official uh, you know, recommendation to come over and look at it. And then the fact that it took that long to overturn it, she thought that that was a lot, um, a lot going on with that particular call. And she would prefer that it stayed a penalty. She saw nothing in any of the videos she looked at. It, and again, she's a trained VAR mm-hmm. official herself, saw nothing that would uh, stop that from being a penalty. Kick. Yeah. And, and the bottom line is that again, it has to be clear and obvious and there's nothing that anybody has pointed to in any angle. Again, now the VAR can have a different feed. They sometimes have different field cameras and different things that are sort of like more wide angle stuff than really up close stuff. So I would imagine the best angles were the broadcast angles. There's nothing in that that says that the San Jose player got the ball. Then you go into the stoppage time when you had uh, Yule come in and absolutely stab Douglas Costa in the back of the calf. Now, this one's interesting because I didn't think it was anything more than just a yellow card whenever I first saw it. And then as soon as they showed the first replay, I'm like, well, of course it's a red card. You stab somebody in the calf slash Achilles. Not, and by the way, Yule is never going for the ball there. It's a cynical challenge. There's no chance the ball is even within his reach. He's just doing it because Costa is motoring through the center of the field. Right. And by the way, even if it's a red card for Yule, it's probably still a good tackle in terms of what he was doing, because I thought the Galaxy had a ton of momentum running downhill with Douglas Costa going there. What are the chances he scores? Probably less than five percent. But at the same time, with him running and the skill level that he has and the fact that the the defense was backpedaling, it was it would have been even a, a good red card for Yule to take in that position. That being said, VAR clearly thought it was a red card because they came over and said, hey, Take a look at this. Now, we can't trust the VAR official because they just messed up the play before where they found clear and obvious evidence that they wanted the referee to look at. But let's say that again, let's find the clear and obvious evidence. Is there clear and obvious evidence that that should be a red card instead of a yellow card? And yes, we can all see it with our eyes. And Ricky Poosh tweeted out a picture of it. Uh, I think on his Instagram or it was possibly on Twitter. And then uh, Chicharito put out uh, something on his Instagram. The whole deal. Listen, everybody sees this stuff. All right. It's not hard to tell. It's a clear and obvious red card. And everybody goes, well, you know, Yule is getting suspended for the next game anyway, so it probably won't be reviewed. That's not how this works, boys and girls. So what should happen is that the disco should look into that or the rules committee should look into that and say, you know what? The referees got that wrong and we're going to be able to make a correction on that. And here's the correction is that he gets a red card. So the yellow card is rescinded. So he doesn't get suspended for the yellow card, but he does get suspended for the red card. And by the way, we're adding a second game on because it was not even close to playing the ball. It was reckless in terms. It was an intent to injure the player. Right. So we're going to add two games on. Then whenever he comes back for two games, what happens? He's on yellow card warning because he still has a yellow card warning, which means that if he gets yellow card the next game, he would miss that game as well. That is what should happen in this case. All right. I know the Galaxy are frustrated by this stuff. And and Greg Vanny has been correct so far in saying if we didn't have uh, if we had no luck, you know, we wouldn't we, we wouldn't have any luck if we didn't have bad luck. Right. That was the, the Vanny quote from from earlier on. That's that's what this is. This is bad luck. It's also complete incompetence. Somebody should should get a hold of the VAR officials and the referee. Maybe they should have a have a little sit down for a couple games. Well, you're right about the Jackson Yule thing from his perspective. And again, I'm just playing devil devil's advocate from his perspective. He was beaten on the play. Costa's got a head of steam. We don't know where this play is going to go, but it's not going to go well right. for San Jose. Um, and so he tackles him. He I, I don't know how much he sat there and thought this through, but. He gets suspended. If he gets a yellow card, he's suspended for the next game. If he gets a red card, he's suspended for the next game. Nothing changes except you play 90 seconds a man down. They can probably close that game out. So they're not losing a lot. Again, I talked to Christine Uncle about that one. She said definitely a red card. She felt it was a red card because it was a non-football play. And she did mention that the idea of officials need to get a hold on this because 
what that says is this guy only gets a yellow card. Okay, everybody gets a free shot. If that's not a red card, everybody gets a free shot. And yep. the more you allow those free shots, everything changes. Okay, that was a yellow card shot. Oh, this one was a red card. It, it just it's progressive. It gets to the point where it's going to be we're going to be playing ice hockey pretty soon and guys are going to be punching each other. And those are going to be yellow cards. She said, we need to go back to getting the idea on what is a yellow card was a red card and enforcing that because otherwise people are going to take the law under their own hands as happened in that instance. It's disappointing. I really like the galaxy shape in this game. Again, I love the passing. I thought this was some of the best passing they've had all year. Uh, just the ability to escape tight spaces, the, the way to, to move around and through the midfield. Uh, I thought the galaxy played extremely well to only get a point out of it. Seems uh, disappointing. I'll continue it. I've never seen a team this good play this bad. And it's not even like the results are bad. Some of the play has been okay. Um, in fact, some of the playing has been outstanding. Some of the play in the San Jose game. Again, you go, Kevin, you go into, uh, you know, uh, Stanford Stadium, which is supposed to be the home field for San Jose, right? They go in there. There's this big crowd. There's all these things that are going there. You go in there and you just you just dominate them for the first first half. Um, you really don't give them too much. Chris Mavinga and the bad pass out. Uh, somebody said it's Greg's Van Greg Vanny's fault because he wants them to play out of the back, and that's why. I'm sure. I'm sure Greg Vanny told Chris Mavinga to pass it to a San Jose player, right? That's what. That's what, some of this stuff is just ridiculous. It's poor decision making, right? If do you think Greg Vanny yells at Chris Mavinga for clearing the ball out of out of bounds? If in that situation, no, nobody cares. It's like okay, we know what you had to do. Like there was people all around. There was no pl good place to sort of outlet. Kick the ball out of bounds. Not a problem. It's decision-making, and it has been decision-making. Uh, Vanny's system allows for this decision-making by players. If you don't have good players to make the decision-making, then your decisions are going to be poor. Uh, for me, I think it's Mavinga's rust and not having played a whole bunch of games, but it's poor. Uh, the, the well, you think with the Galaxy's bad luck, yeah. if Jalen Nito is here or Casaro's not hurt, Mavinga's not in that position. And, and it's unlikely. Now, I've seen Jalen Neal make a bad pass like that, right? And it hasn't punished him, yeah. the whole deal. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, I mean, and it can happen to anybody, that type of thing. But the Galaxy have to eliminate these things. That is a totally unforced error. Mavinga had time to get rid of it, time to do stuff with it. Uh, the one where Vanny called Dayon selfish uh, was, the, was the play that ended up in allowing, it was around the 80th, 80th first minute when, that allowed San Jose to score the second goal. And it doesn't directly allow it. And I think people are saying that Vanny's saying, Oh, well, you know, it's Dayon Jovalich's fault. No, he's what he's saying is, again, the decision making. You're up two to one. You get a ball played down into sort of the left hand corner. You don't have the bodies in the box. If you go back and watch the replay, there's one other player. I think it might have been Aguirre who was crashing towards the net um, in that area. It may, it may have not have been. Um, it may have been Costa. It may have been somebody. Somebody was trying to come in, but there was only one other player. San Jose had it pretty well covered. And then there was a big gap between the midfield and where the the forwards were and sort of coming up. So there's this gap that's being played there. Now, the midfielders are running to try to cover that gap now because Jovalich has broken into the into the offensive zone. He's into the box. Really in a perfect world, Jovalich decides to spin out of that. And that's what Greg was talking about. Spin out of it, hold possession, pass the ball back to the midfielders, set everything up, allow the defense to come forward, allow everybody to get set in their position so if there is a turnover, right? That they are in the correct possession. What does Jovalich do? Instead, he tries to beat somebody one-on-one. -on -one. How many times have we seen Dayon Jovalich beat people one-on-one? -on -one? Not very often. All right. So that's the selfish play is you should not be going for goal there. You have a tight angle. You don't have any help and there's no midfield that's coming to do it. Now, what's happening is people are trying to get up into that spot. So what does Jovalich do? He tries to get a shot. It gets caught by the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper immediately outlets to the space now that is open behind the midfielders who are coming up to help support Dayon Jovalich. And while the Galaxy had plenty of players back, and this is where I think people lose the plot. The Galaxy had at that time, I think about three on six in terms of what the, the defense was. So they had six to, six players back. They were actually pretty solidly set. They had four back, maybe one more. So maybe it was five, but they had the positioning. They had everything that they needed to, to slow the transition. What happened? They slowed the transition. All right. Now Espinosa gets the ball from 25 yards out. Listen, I'm going to let Espinosa shoot from 25 yards out. Right. I mean, for the most part, that's the only thing. The only thing I wanted to see that was a little bit different there was that Mavinga continued to come out and close the space. Um, he didn't. And it's so unlucky that the ball comes off of him from about 22 yards out and still finds itself into the back of the net. That's so unlucky. You know, the further out, Kevin, the more the deflection has a chance of taking the ball out. 
like it, it won't go in the net. So the further out you get, the more angle you cut off, the harder it is to deflect the ball into the back of the net. So if Mavinga even cuts that off by another half a yard and continues forward or a yard, there's zero chance that ball goes in the back of the net, right? So there's all these things that can sort of happen. Yes, the Galaxy defense needs to do better. Did they get unlucky in that position? Yeah, they got a little unlucky, right? But the bottom line is, he wanted Jovalich to spin out and hold possession because holding possession was more important than allowing San Jose even an inkling of a chance, and the inkling of a chance came to fruition there. That makes sense well, to that's me. Closing, closing out games. It's, I mean, it's a skill that you need to learn. Closing out games. It's sometimes it's harder to play with a lead than it than it is to play chasing a guy. Yeah, chasing a team. It, it is, and and you know, Marvin says the fact that the fourth string uh, center back only got punished once. I'd say it, was, it wasn't a, not a horrible game for McVeigh. The problem is that it, it came, that both goals come off of him in some in some way and fashion. Um, I think he's done okay. He has not been Caceres good. He has not been Jalen Neal good. Uh, Jalen Neal, by the way, uh, starting to impress everybody in U.S. men's national team land as well. Uh, so I think that if there's anybody who had a really good camp so far for the U.S. or, or, or Gold Cup for the U.S. men's national team, it might be Jalen Neal. Um, well, Jesus Ferreira is not too bad. Oh, that's back-to-back hat tricks as well. <laughs> yes, I mean, but between those two, which is interesting. Like, listen, Jalen Neal isn't going to get the call to start for the A team on the U.S. men's national team, but is he going to get a call to be on the bench? He may after what he's been showing in the Gold Cup. Um, and so that's a huge step for a 19-year-old. And he keeps doing it. Kevin, every game he gets put in, and listen, I'm not going to say some of these are high-level games because they're not. Um, but every game he gets put in, every situation he gets put in, he's like, okay, cool. No problem. Well, I mean, I think the thought right now has got to be on 2026 because who are the center backs that started in in, in Cutter? It was Walker Zimmerman, Tim Ream. Tim Ream's going to be in a rocking chair, if in a wheelchair by 2026. And Walker Zimmerman is going to be in his early 30s. Um, you know, I think Jalen Neal is coming along just at the right time. Very well, could be. Uh, team of the week. Douglas Costa didn't make team of the week. He made the bench. That's ridiculous. Uh, Fought Mob had him on team of the week uh, very clearly at an 8.6. Had Preston Judd at an 8.1 up there, by the way. Again, Preston Judd. I know we're not going to talk about him as much as I'd like to because I could probably do a whole uh, whole, whole podcast just on Preston Judd. Um, but the the way that he has handled his his chances have has been outstanding. Um, and, and tip of the hat to him as well. Um, that's a, that's a pretty in- interesting thing. Um, I know we've sort of already been talking about it, but you want to, you want to filter over and get to the, to the LA let's get, to, let me get to standings real quick and then we'll sort of take a look at it. Uh, Eastern conference, Cincinnati with 44 Nashville with 38. Uh, the last spot in the playoffs line is DC at 26 Montreal at 26, uh, out of the playoffs currently in the Eastern conference, Charlotte, New York city, New York, Red Bulls, Chicago, Toronto, and Miami, Miami, statistically the worst team in major league soccer right now. That might change, though, after the summer. They're going to get a little bit better. Yeah, I, but they have almost everybody from Barcelona, so I'm not sure. Does Barcelona yeah. have anybody left? I mean, I know most of these guys, they kind of got rid of Julian, that's it, right? Uh, Western Conference, St. Louis at 35. Uh, real quick, let me tell a story about uh, St. Louis. Uh, 35 points for St. Louis. Vancouver's the last spot in the Western Conference for the playoffs at 25. Uh, Kansas City at 24, Minnesota at 24, Portland at 22, Galaxy at 16, Colorado at 14. Still a long way to go, big hill to climb. So uh, I'm at the train club, uh, and I was uh, riding around on the train on Sunday afternoon, and I threw some cars on it just in case I ran across people who wanted to ride. I like to do that. I just go out there and ride around for a little bit. If somebody wants to ride, I throw them on, and then I try to convince them to become a member. So I'm walking. I see a dad and his son and, and his buddy, and they're, they're walking on the tracks. I'm like, oh, hey, guys, you want to ride? They're like, yeah, hop on. I'm like, are you guys from around here? They're like, oh, wh- the, the dad and the son. Uh, go, oh, we're from St. Louis. And I'm like, oh, are you guys big soccer fans? They're like, oh, we have t- we have tickets to St. Louis. And we have season tickets. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I told him I was a Galaxy reporter. I've been covering the team for 15 years. So we started talking about it. He goes, oh, you guys just came up and you got a draw against us. He goes, he goes, you know, I think you guys are way better than than what your standings for. I'm like, yeah, I, you are correct. They, they are, but, you know, the whole deal. But I just thought... It was really interesting. He said um, he was really he loves St. Louis. He says the stadium's awesome. He says the food is amazing uh, and it's not like ridiculously priced. He said that they went to St. into St. Louis and got all the best chefs to like make meals for these things. And I said, oh, well, I'm sure they could do that at Dignity Health Sports Park, but there's no really good chefs in Southern California, Los Angeles. Right. So no pupusas. No oh, pupusas. We, right. We, we got, we're good. We're good. We don't need anything else. Um, so anyway, it will not be available, by the way. <laughs> I don't think. I, no, probably not. But maybe I don't know. I haven't I haven't been told we should we should ask. Um, 
So anyway, so I just thought it was fun, but they, they were visiting for a little while and talking about the galaxy and they're like, man, you know, we just wanted to beat the galaxy so bad because you guys are so good over the years and the whole deal. So there's still respect out there. Um, and shout out to St. Louis fans for, for coming to visit the, the train club. So that was cool. Um, so we did the standings. That's all there. Uh, I told you there's 21 spots difference between the LA Galaxy and LAFC. Let's talk about the game. Uh, Rose Bowl, Pasadena, July 4th, tomorrow night, 7.30, 7.39 p.m. is your kickoff. So just a nine-minute lead-in. Uh, this game is free on MLS Season Pass. Free game on Apple TV. Um, so you can watch it. There's no blackouts. You can, you can see the whole thing. Kevin, you talked about it being sold out. That's good. I'm glad. Uh, then we also know. Well, that's a matter of you know, sold out. I, it's, I it's used MLS Galaxy sell. It was it what was. Think it's still available? It was quotation marks in my mind when I said it. All right. So yeah, this is good information right here. Go over this. this yeah. Really so uh, the no before you go. The uh, one thirty p.m. parking lots open. Two thirty fan fest begins. Five thirty stadium gates open. Six thirty fan fest ends. Six forty five is warm up. Seven thirty is kickoff. Seven thirty nine is kickoff. But it's they want you in your seats. That whole thing. I have been told that the Galaxy are sending out emails and whenever they're being asked about what time people should get to the Rose Bowl, they're like, be there by four thirty. Like, yeah. do not do not do this. I, we had some friends, uh, Kelly and Lexi went up to the San Jose game to play it, to watch it at Stanford Stadium. Took them two hours to park. They got there and watched the second half. You don't want to be those. Well, well, yeah. here, here's the Rose. The Rose Bowl is very much in my mind, like a NASCAR track. If you ever been to NASCAR, they have 100,000 seat stadiums that they use on two dates a year. And so there's one narrow road in and one narrow road out. And it's just blocked with traffic the whole time. The Rose Bowl is a lot like that. They're limited to the number of events they can have there. So there's not a lot of way in egress and ingress, right? Or whatever you say, not a lot of ways in and out. Traffic is going to be helped by the fact that it is a weekday, but there is not, it's a holiday. So there won't be a lot of people coming from office and school and stuff. Still, there's, you know, it's two lane road in, two lane road out. It's very narrow. If you've never been to a game at the Rose Bowl, Air on the side of caution, get there early, and you will be there for a long time afterwards. Bring a book because it's very hard to get out of the Rose Bowl. And I don't try not, not to dissuade anybody, but I don't want you to be frustrated and surprised either. So uh, get there early. Take public transportation if you can, you know, Metrolink, and I think Pasadena Public Transportation or, or, or somebody look it up. Yeah, it's somebody Met- has- Metrolink has as tweets. They've been Metrolink has been keeping me uh entertained on Twitter while Twitter slowly burns and crashes to the ground thanks to Trust yeah, you Fund can baby. take a train to Pasadena and, and take buses into the stadium. You can. If you if you can do that, if you know how to do obviously I can't even name the the, the company so I'm not very good at this, but if you can do that, that is really the way to go. Um it's it's a fabulous place to be. It's a, a amazing stadium. But it's not built for 100,000 cars to come in and out no. in a matter of hours. No, no. And so it's it, it's going to be a nightmare. It's a minor nightmare. So get there early. Plan on getting there early. And then you don't have to be stressed about anything. I think you'll be okay. Uh, if we look at this match in details, Galaxy have eight wins to LAFC. Six wins. Five draws total in this match. Uh, the last time uh, LAFC has won the last two matchups uh, between these two teams now. Um, so now it's, in, in MLS. In MLS. Yeah, in, in MLS. Open. Yep. Galaxy beat him in Open Cup just this season, uh, yep. just what a month and a half ago. Yeah, L.A. Metro. By the way, people are correcting you, not Metrolink, or or I said Metrolink. I think I. I, Wait, I, I think you take the train to Pas. I think you take the Metrolink train to Pasadena, and then L- you get on L.A. Metro. I, th- I think L.A. Metro. I think L.A. Metro. I don't know. Or it's not a train there. station at the stadium. No, that way. but it's it's just, you just got to hop on a bus to do it. Um, we, we sort of went over some of them. Uh, LAFC has won three straight MLS matches against the Galaxy, including playoffs after winning only three of the first 14 MLS meetings between the sides. Uh, the 4.47 goals per match in the 17 meetings between the sides, including playoffs, are the second most of any matchup in league history, minimum of 10 games. Uh, we have talked about that one. Let's see. Uh, LA, uh, LAFC has lost seven of its last 10 matches in all competitions. Uh, following four of the six. Yeah, following a, four of six overall. Following right. a two nothing uh, loss to FC Dallas on Saturday, LAFC had lost three of its previous twenty six games in all competitions from last September until this run. We talked about it. Uh, a little bit saying that LAFC not in the run of form that you would expect. Uh, Trundolo saying that they're very tired. They're a very tired team. You're watching, uh, you know, a uh, uh, Carlos Vela who is basically being subbed around the 65th minute. Is that sort of been the, 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 the timing on all of that, Kevin, that I've sort of been watching? Yeah. Sometimes he goes a little bit longer, but the other thing is, is Boanga sort of disappeared. hasn't really been all that effective and their back line is decimated by injuries. They are going to have to have a hard time finding four defenders that'll be able to 
play 90 minutes tomorrow. Sounds like the galaxy. So it's it, it's going to be the uh, the battle of attrition here. Whoever uh, whoever can last through this game and not get injured um, in a lot of those. If we look at just the overall possession being held by both of these teams, both teams sort of like the possession. LAFC a little less, 51% average over their uh, their game so far, and then 55% uh, for the LA Galaxy. So again, like the possession a little bit more. Should be a home home game for the LA Galaxy. That being said, we've talked and argued about the makeup of this. I have a feeling it's going to be pretty close to 50-50. That's what, that's what I imagine it's going to be. So uh, I think it's going to be an LAFC heavy crowd. It could be. It could be, but I it just... I don't know. There's something about it being at the past, the Rose Bowl that tells me this is 50-50, 60-40. I think it's going to surprise people a little more than it would have. Had they played at the beginning of the season, I would have said it would have been a pro LAFC crowd, 100%. Yeah, because LAFC coming off of the you know MLS Cup win, this would be their first game since then. Yeah, I think it, it obviously would have been an LAFC crowd then. But, you know, the Galaxy talk about, oh, it's going to be 50-50. We're, we've sold so many tickets to Galaxy supporters, so many tickets to LAFC supporters. But the idea is to, they're really pushing to get this. This, by the way, will be the largest crowd for regular season game in MLS history by some distance, by more than uh, 10,000 probably. And that was the focus of the Galaxy, I think, after they, they postponed the first game. By the way, the Galaxy started at the Rose Bowl, never drew a crowd this size, which think about that for just a minute. You know, They started, what, 27 years ago at the Rose Bowl. They were the marquee franchise. They opened the league. Never drew a crowd anywhere close to this size. They're drawing the crowd now in a city with three professional soccer teams, some USL teams within driving distance, um, and all kinds of international games coming through. Yet now is the time they draw the 90,000. I, I just think that really speaks well of soccer. But getting back to the original point, the Galaxy trying to get this attendance record you really think that if they get to the point where, oh my gosh, it looks like there's going to be 15,000 more LAFC supporters that want tickets. We better not sell to them. We better leave those seats empty. No, they're not going to do that. That's no. why I think there's a possibility of the, the, the greed of trying to get this number and, and, and getting the big gate, I think, could lead to an LAFC heavy crowd. We'll, well see. Well, you will be able to uh, to take a look at it and, and tell us because you, you, you will be there. I will I will not be, so in, enjoy that. Um yeah, I, I, this is the big thing. I know we went over all those stats. We sort of talked about, quite honestly, the Galaxy have had been better over the last five games than LAFC has. Galaxy have more points, right? Um, I would say that I've watched some of the LAFC games. They're struggling to score goals. You watch the game against Dallas. Now, they had a ton of shots, Kevin, um, but they didn't get anything to, to go past. And listen, there were some good saves in there as well. Um, but really, you saw a similar pattern from a lot of teams that are sort of taking out. I see is survive them through the first 45 minutes through you get into that second half because of the loads that they've been placed on all their players because of the injuries they've had and all the things they get tired in that second half. Um, and I think that that's where you saw Dallas sort of take advantage of them was in that second half was to be able to find the holes and score the goals. Listen, this is a thing that if the LA Galaxy are going to win this game, they have to be clinical finishing because they're not going to get a ton of chances, but the chances they're going to get are probably going to be pretty good. And if you don't finish them, you're going to lose this game because LAFC will find a way to put balls into the back of the net. They will force them in if they have to. Um, I think Buanga struggling is a good sign for the LA Galaxy, but also let's be very clear. This is a rivalry game. This is an El Trafico. They've never suffered from goals, right? They're, they're up from lack of goals. This, this game has always had goals. So it's going to be a battle. It's another emotionally challenged game. I think the Galaxy got hurt a little bit emotionally with the penalty kick changeover. Otherwise, a very positive result going up to San Jose. So you like the momentum that sort of comes off of San Jose. Easy enough trip north and south. You had LAFC had to travel east and west over to Texas a couple time zones away. That hurts them more. The Galaxy are getting an advantage here and they're hitting LAFC at the right time, which they're struggling. This should indicate that the LA Galaxy will be in this match. They'll have a chance to beat LAFC. If they do, who knows what the turning point, if this is the actual turning point, because it's been brewing now for about four or five games of you're like sort of, is something going to change? Is somebody going to do something? The Galaxy still lack goal, uh, a true, real true goal scorer. Maybe Preston Judd can be that guy. Dan Jovalich always scores against LAFC. Maybe he's the super sub that comes off and scores some bangers in there. There's a lot of chances there. I just think that there's a lot of pitfalls whenever you're looking at El Trafico, and there's just stuff you can't predict that's going to happen in this game. Well, it's interesting you talk about Chirundle and not, you know, uh, in the second half, LAFC falling off because there just isn't the people on the bench healthy to come and make the difference. Last season, when LAFC won the title, they were the one of the best second half teams in MLS history. Everything, you know, they won almost a, a large percentage of their games were decided in the second half by substitutions that Torrindolo 
made and, and people he brought in off the bench. They scored a ton of goals off the bench. It's just not happening this year. And it's the fixture crunch. Same thing that happened with Seattle last year. Remember, they made it to the CONCACAF Champions League final and won it. LAFC made it but lost. And after that, Seattle, they didn't even make the playoffs. First time in their history. And you see that fixture crunch is starting to hit LAFC. Another thing to watch for tomorrow is I don't know if John McCarthy starts in goal. He's already played 25 games in all competition this year. That's the most he's played in his career. We're barely halfway through the season. Um, Mac, Maxine Cropo now apparently is healthy and he's back in training with the first team. Um, there may be a change in goalkeeper. John McCarthy did not make a save in the, in the loss to Dallas. So he, he may be running on fumes and maybe he needs a breather too. Is this the game they give it to him? I don't know. Yeah, it's going to be. Uh, again, I think this game ends 3-2. Uh, I'm not sure who wins it. And I'm not sure who loses it, but I think it ends 3-2, and that's usually a pretty safe bet. Five goals in these games seems uh, seems pretty standard with the average of 4.7 uh, over all the rest of their games. So um, I, I anticipate that it'll be a lot of fun for people who go there. I think it's a, a really big atmosphere. It could be a really fun game with goals and everything else going. I don't know if it'll be the prettiest soccer that we've seen. If the Galaxy want to make it pretty, they have a chance to make it pretty with Douglas Costa and Ricky Pouge. Um, you know, if they want to make it ugly, they have a chance to make it ugly. They got guys like uh, Delgado and Brugman and Judd that can make games ugly. Uh, maybe a wild card in this game for the LA Galaxy, Tyler Boyd. Uh, if Tyler Boyd has a good game and he had two pretty good shots against uh, San Jose that I think one was saved and one just went a little wide. Uh, if Tyler Boyd wants to make a, a stamp and a statement on uh, on this season, then then this could be the game for him. So my wild card business is Tyler Boyd. Fair to say both teams are exhausted coming in, right? Everybody's tired in MLS. Yeah, I agree. I, yeah, yeah. I, I think eighty, but I, I this game's a little different. I think eighty thousand in the in the stands. Now that may not be the same for Seattle and Atlanta, play for big crowds all the time. These guys play in twenty thousand seat stadiums, having eighty four times as many people in the stands. You know, a lot of players tell me, even if let's say it is an LAFC heavy crowd, players tell me that they hear those cheers and pretend like to train for them. They just feed off the energy. Right. And I think that's going to really help these exhausted teams. I think that energy of that stand of the fans, regardless of who they're cheering for, is going to carry some heavy guys, uh, heavy legs through this game. Here's my reminder. One, it's July 4th. Be careful. Don't drink. Don't drive. Be careful with fireworks. They will blow your hand off. And don't get in fights at, sta- at football stadiums. All right. Just just let it go. All right. It's not that not that big a deal. Let it go. Let it roll off your back. Get back in the car. Go home. See your family. Everything will be good. Light some fireworks. Don't light yourself on fire. All those fun things. Okay, so keep your head on. Just like what happened in Santa Clara over the weekend. Yeah, just perfectly fine. Nothing, no problems there. As Concacaf would say, "There's nothing to see here. There's nothing to yeah. see." Okay, we didn't hear anything. No. Oh wow, I don't know how that happened. So anyway, uh, so be careful out there. All right, remember it's packed. You're going to be packed. You're going to be stuck in that parking lot. I say get back to your car, watch the fireworks, take a little nap, enjoy, read a book, maybe an audio book. Maybe listen to this podcast again, see how wrong we were, however you want to, yeah, yeah. that'll be good, right? That's a good point, yeah. Do a scorecard, how many things we got wrong. A lot, it's going to be a lot. It will be. You'll have plenty of time to do it, and hopefully you'll make it in time to work on Wednesday Wednesday morning uh, after all is said and done. All right? I hope everybody has a very happy fourth. Uh, Kevin, anything else you want to talk about, or are we good? Safe and sane, isn't that the slogan? Safe and sane. Safe and sane fireworks. That's that's the uh, yep. that's the legal ones here in Costa Mesa on July second, third, and fourth, which is why I was out doing fireworks. They they've simmered down a little bit, but they were going on for a little while while we were doing. All right, if you're looking you for your dog, if you're looking for Mister Kevin Baxter, it's at kbaxter11 on Twitter if Twitter still exists, and of course go to latimes.com where you can find all of Kevin's wonderful soccer writing. Make sure you do that latimes.com. All right, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com where you can find all of our wonderful shows, all our predictions, all that fun stuff. It's right there, cornerofthegalaxy.com. All right, that does it. El Trafico coming up tomorrow, July 4th, 7.30, 7.39 p.m. on Apple TV for free or at the Rose Bowl. Drive safe, be safe, enjoy the game, you guys. All right, for Mr. Kevin, the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Pato Gessman. You've been listening, you've been watching to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.